Well, thank you, choir. Very beautiful. I was thinking earlier when uh, David opened the service and was talking about the things he was talking about, how different generations have their own words. You know, they're special words. I can remember <clears throat> the generation, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> that was right before my age group in school. And I don't guess you would call them a generation, just a few years different. But uh, one of the things they always said was, that's groovy. That's groovy. And uh, I don't think I really ever used that word. But then when it came my time, well, the Fonz was big on the scene. And so everybody, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. And then shortly thereafter, I don't know how long, but sometime probably in the, in the 80s, maybe uh, the word excellent. Yeah, that's excellent, dude. That's excellent. But a word that I have never in my, my whole life used in a sentence is the word out. I've never used that word. That's a whole new generation, but for the first time, here it is. I'm amped to be here today. And, and I can't wait to see how God uses camp these next three weeks and, uh, and, and how he speaks to children, but also to parents. And so thank you so much for giving and praying and being part of what God is doing through Mile Straight Baptist Church. Well, if, uh, if you would, grab your study guide out of your bulletin and a clipboard and a pen from the book rack. Today we go back to Psalm 119, verses 65 to 72. Now that's the section we're in. We're working our way through this chapter, uh, eight verses at a time, or at least supposedly eight verses at a time. Something interesting has happened in this section. Uh, and I really wasn't expecting it because I really wanted to tackle these things eight verses at a time. But this particular section has really hit me in an unusual way. I guess it's just based on what all's going on in life right now for me. But this particular section has kind of, kind of floored me, just, just taken me back and has really introduced some thoughts into my life that uh, has given me reason just to pause and think for a while. And I guess the extra thinking that's gone on has, has created not a single section study, but now it'll probably end up broken down into three parts because I really don't expect, once again today, to get through the section. We'll see how it works out. But we started it last week with verse 65, and uh, for me, this was kind of the, the landmark moment for this chapter so far. And maybe we'll have more landmark moments as we move through. And once again, it, it may not have impressed you the way it did me. It may not have hit you the way it did me. It may, as I said, just be what's happening in life with us right now. But regardless, it, it was a very strong study for me, something that really was a great benefit to my life. Now, if you weren't here last week, then I really wish that you would go online to our website or to our Facebook page sometime and, and watch last week's service. Because I really believe that there's some things included in that study that are going to be beneficial for life itself, but then also are going to be beneficial as we continue forward with this study. It would be really beneficial if you had seen this before today so that you would know kind of where we're going as we hit part two of section nine of our study. 
but if you, if you get a chance, I really wish you'd go and look at it and, and uh, see a little bit about what's taking place in verse 65. Just for review's sake, if you've got your study guide, we are going to hit this first point, even though we did it last week. We're going to hit it again just for review's sake because it does play such a big role in what's coming with the next parts of this section. So let's go ahead and jump in. Number one, we see the confirmation. There are five things that kind of jump out of the, this, this particular section at me. And the first one is the confirmation that the, the psalmist gets from God. And what is this confirmation? Notice verse 65. He says, he's praying, he's talking to God. He says, you have done many good things for me, Lord, just as you promised. There's an element of surprise in the voice of the psalmist when he says this. God, you've done many good things for me, just as you promised. The surprise in my way of, of estimating it, my way of, of surmising what's taking place doesn't come as a result of the psalmist thinking God can't do this. This isn't something that God has the ability to do. No, that's not it. If you study the life of David and you even study out more deeply into this particular psalm, Psalm 119, you find him time and time again talking about the goodness of God. You see him talking about God's faithfulness and the blessing of God upon our lives. And so you know that he's not saying, I just didn't think God could do that. What a surprise. But the surprise, I believe, comes in that God was doing it for him. God was doing this for David himself. This was the shock to David. Because you think about what had just taken place in David's life. David has gone through a series of traumatic events. One that he caused. One that he didn't cause. The one that he caused was due to his own sin. David had rebelled against God. He had left the commandments of God to pursue his own path. And it was this path that led him, just as the Bible says, to death and destruction. He was literally at the point of death. The Bible says that he was face down in the dirt, ready to die. And it was in that moment that God heard his cry, lifted him up, encouraged him, revived him. And set him back up. So he had just gone through this time in which he had rebelled against God. Which was to be followed, as we've studied on further, by people who were supposed to be his friends. People who were supposed to be close to him. Being very critical. Reviling him. Mocking him. Ridiculing him to the point that they were trying to assassinate his character. And when we see this taking place, when we see all of this developing, it brings us to the thought that maybe David had when he was saying, okay, God, I see why these troubles are upon me. I see why I've had problems. I deserve every bit of this. God, I deserve for these people to be cruel and hateful to me. Look at what I did in my rebellion. I deserve for them to, to hate me and mock me and ridicule me and try to destroy my testimony. I deserve it. Look at what I've done. And I believe in the mind of David that he thought, I've done so much, God. You've got every right just to disown me. You've got every right just to push me away and ignore me from now on. And yet, when he stopped to go back and recount what God was doing in his life, what he found was that God had done many good things for him. And he was shocked by that. God, you've done that for me. You've done this for me. You've blessed 
My, I don't deserve this. And yet you've blessed my life. Yeah. And I guess just based upon how things are going right now for us in life, that that, that was something that was really special to me. That I got to see David walk through a time that was really hard, was really difficult. I got to watch David go through some very trying moments in which he came to the understanding that it's not really a place to say, Oh, poor me. Look at what's happening to me. But it was a time for him just to stop and say, God, thank you for letting it be me. Because I've learned a lot through this process. You've blessed me in ways and you've done things in, in, in this particular time in my life through this difficulty, through these problems, even through my sinfulness that you couldn't have done or, or at least wouldn't have done any other way. It had to come through problems. It had to come through difficulties. And I am so blessed that you allowed me to go through that. And isn't it true? I mean, isn't it true to watch God do unbelievable things in our lives. Isn't it true to just stop and think back about what God has done that we come to a place of total amazement? Wow. God is truly at work in my life. Well, for me, as I thought about this confirmation that God gave to David that he was faithful that he was that he was with him then it brought me to this next place to where I understood why the second thing that jumps off the page in your second fill-in is the desire of David the desire of David is seen very clearly now in number two notice if you will verse 66 he said, I believe in your commandments. Now teach me good judgment and knowledge. Okay, now let's think about this because if you just take it at face value, this is a new revelation for David. All of a sudden, he, he gets it. He's seeing it. And yet we know that he's been engaged in God's Word from a long time back. <clears throat> I mean, as a shepherd boy, he was concerned about God's message. Now, as a king, he's telling us in this psalm that it's his delight day and night, that he is continually engaging the Word of God. We know that beyond any shadow of a doubt. So it's not that this is the first time he's ever decided he wanted knowledge and good judgment from God. He's been in this all along. And so then why is it that now he's asking for this? Think about, once again, what's just transpired David has gone through such a horrible time as a result of his own sinfulness. David has rebelled against God and, and he has spiraled downhill. Even though he looked at what he was doing, and we don't really know what, what it was. We don't know what he was engaged in. We just know that there was sin in his life by his own testimony and that it took him to the place of death. But we know that David would have looked at this. He wouldn't have looked at the end result to say, oh, well, that's going to take me to near death. I'm not going to do that. He would have only looked at the moment to say, wow, this looks appealing. This looks pleasing this looks like this is going to bring me happiness and satisfaction therefore I'm going to take this path I'm going to take this road 
And David would have started down that path to which the end was going to be death and destruction if God didn't intervene in his life, if he didn't turn back to God through repentance. That's where it was going to end up for him. He was already there. But amazingly, God does something incredible in his life. He teaches David that the commandments that David before thought were so restrictive and so claustrophobic were actually so refreshing and so freeing to him. David couldn't understand it before. You've got all these restrictions on me. Now, now I don't know that he would have ever voiced it like this. But, but at some point, he had to think, God, these, these commandments of yours are too restricting. I just feel so smothered. There's no benefit in them. I'm going to push them away, and I'm going to go do my own thing here. At some point, he had to think that where he was going was better than what God was leading him to do. Okay, you see in this? It's the same in our lives when we decide we're going to rebel against God. When we see ourselves going, what we see out there that's, that's drawing us and attracting us somehow seems more pleasing to us and more beneficial to us than where God is leading us. And so as a result, we push away God's will for our lives to pursue these things that are leading us to death and destruction. We never look far enough ahead to see where it's taking us. We only look at the moment. And in the moment, it looks so good, it looks so desirable. David had been there, but God, through this situation, was working in David's life. And he was working to bring about a new mindset for David. To where David would finally get it when he was face down in the dirt. He had to be at that point. It doesn't appear that any time before there, till he finally hit rock bottom, he was getting ready to die. It doesn't appear that at any time before that, he ever came to an understanding. You know what? Maybe I would have been better off following the plan of God. Unfortunately, a lot of us are just that hard-headed. Man, I know I was. And I know I have been. And I know, unfortunately, I still am. But I just have to hit bottom before I'm willing to admit, you know what, this was, this was a bad idea. It's a bad idea. But God got David to the place to where he could teach him something. To where he could develop David. To where David would understand, you know what, this is not something I want to repeat. This is not something I want to go through again. I don't ever want to be at this stage again to where David could then say God I now believe in your commandments oh I knew them before and I was willing to follow them but now I've begun to see the incredible benefit of your commandments I've begun to see why you have them there that they're not just to make my life miserable. <laughs> but there's a plan for my good in your will. What an amazing concept. David had finally gotten to the place to where he could see the plan of God in his life. 
where he could see God at work. He, he could see that God had a reason for keeping him in this path that he was on because the alternate path was going to lead him to places he did not want to be. God was working in his life all through this process. The promise that God had confirmed to him was that he is faithful, was that his promises will remain in effect, that God had said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Never leave you, never forsake you. Not, I will never leave you unless you rebel against me and you get into sin. And once you go so far, you can forget it. You're no longer my kid. Oh, no. For those who are children of God, those who have come to know Christ as Savior based upon his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, there is an experience of entering into a family that is eternal in nature. And the Father has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will not abandon you though you abandon me. I will not reject you though you reject me. I will be there with you in the middle of your sinfulness, working in your life to bring you to a place to where you can say, God, okay, I see it now. I finally see it. Your commandments are good. Your will for my life is so much better than what I found over here. I don't ever want to repeat this part of my life. This part of the story, which I'm going to add in here, has absolutely no place in logic. But isn't it true that sometimes we have the ability to find ourselves in positions like this, that David was in, this troubling difficulty of life. And whether it be because we have sinned, we've brought it on ourselves, or it's just life. Cruel, mean people are working against us and they want to destroy us. Regardless of what's going on, why we are where we are, we have the tendency to turn around and to blame God for it. Now, I imagine it's not all of us, but a lot of us have that tendency. God, why have you let me get into this place? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? It's something we do in our spiritual lives. It's also something we do in life in general. It bears no logic to me. Now, I'm guilty I'm not pointing fingers and saying you're just illogical because I'm part of you here. I understand what happens. I just don't understand why it happens. We do this in life as well. The people who love us the most, people who are, are, are really trying to encourage us, you know, the younger you are, the more likely you are to do this. It's honest. As you get older, you begin maybe to see it a little bit differently if you mature along the way. If you don't mature along the way, you're probably still stuck in it. But, but we have this tendency for these who love us the most, who are really reaching out to encourage us and to strengthen us, we have a tendency to push them away. And the people that are trying to drag us down, 
Those who have no desire to help us whatsoever, those who don't really love us, don't really care about us, they're the ones that we're fighting tooth and nail to get their attention, to get their affection. We want so desperately to get that affection from them that we're willing to push away those that are really loving us, those who are really trying to help us. That bears absolutely no logic whatsoever. And I think if anything could come out of this study today, it ought to be that God opens our eyes to see things as they really are. To forget this garbage about trying to get the affection and love from people who don't love us. Yes, we'll pray for them, we'll bless them, just as Jesus said. Bless those who despise you and, and, and curse you and reject you. We'll bless them, we'll pray for them. But I'm going to stop trying to win them over to love me. What I'm going to do is surround myself with these people who really do love me. Because what I want is to be in the center of God's will. What I don't want is to be in a place where I'm being drugged down by people who really don't like me anyway. And even more than that, is to see things as they really are when it comes to God. That God's not into this thing to make life miserable for us. As David mentioned earlier, God sent His Son so that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. This life, right here and now, we might be able to enjoy, we might have the, the peace of God, the joy of God, the, the happiness, the satisfaction, the fulfillment that only comes from God. I can tell you from personal experience, I look for that stuff in many different places. But what I found was that it never was delivered the way it was promised. It promised peace, it promised satisfaction, it promised to fill the emptiness that was in me. And yeah, there would be pleasure for a little while, there would be a little bit of satisfaction, but eventually it was gone again. And I had to do something else in order to fill it again. The only place I have ever found lasting fulfillment in my life is in Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because I was created to glorify God. So then there's an emptiness in me when I'm not doing what I was created to do. So when I understand and I see things as they really are, and I begin to see God as the one who really cares for me, the one who really loves me, the one who really provides for me, the one who really has a plan for my good, and I begin to follow the direction that he has on my life. And I begin to praise him for what he's doing. And to give him glory. To express his greatness. Then all of a sudden there is a fulfillment in my life that cannot be obtained any other way. The only way. The only way. Is through a relationship. A journey. A walk with a holy God. May God open our eyes to see things as they really are. May it not take us being at the point of death face down in the dirt as David was. 
May we just have the wisdom to hear and to listen and to say, oh, you know what? It's true. It's true. So what do we do with this information? Number one, I, I think that it would benefit us to go home this afternoon and just to make a list of what God has done for us over the last three months. You could back up longer if you wanted to. I think that would also be greatly beneficial. But if you just went back three months, what has God shown me? What has God taught me? What has God done to bless my life? How has God used other people to encourage and strengthen me? And to then just sit in utter amazement to notice, wow, this is what God's doing. And then to come to the place of reality. To where we recognize God is the one who really cares. And we stop pushing Him away. We stop blaming Him for what's happening in life. And we reach out to embrace the one who really cares for us.